Well, hello, friends, and welcome to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry and podcast ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church, located in Greenville, Texas. Now, in these few moments we spend together each week, you'll hear great and stirring interviews and powerful messages from the Word of God. But the reason for it all is so you can be touched by... I'd like to say hello to our soon-to-be new friends. Let me tell you, you've come across something very special today. It's called His Mighty Hand. For a few moments, your host, Pastor Chet, will lead you through a powerful interview from someone who understands what it's like to have their life touched by the mighty hand of God. And by the way, so does Pastor Chet. If you doubt that in any way, why not check out HisMightyHand.com? You'll learn some interesting things that will really help you understand what this ministry is all about. So let's get to it, shall we? Here's what His Mighty Hand is all about. Good morning. Welcome to the His Mighty Hand radio broadcast of Highland Terrace Baptist Church. I'm Pastor Chet Haney, your host. And so excited to be here today with you, and I'm glad you have chosen to join with us and to tune in, and I hope that you'll be blessed and touched by His mighty hand as you listen today. That's always our prayer, that our listeners will be blessed and touched by the hand of God. And we have a man with us today who knows how that feels. Uh, Joe, good to have you in studio. Thanks for coming in, buddy. Good to be here, Pastor. Thank you. Joe Knight, a dear friend and an evangelist. And a former music minister, former deputy sheriff. Uh, Joe, you've had a lot of different experiences, and now you've been itinerant minister on the road for, what, three or four years? Yes, sir, a little over four years, and it's interesting to be this place in my life where most everything I've been is former. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was uh, talking about two kinds of blind people in my sermon for this Sunday. I said, by far, the best kind of blind to be is formerly blind. Oh, there you go. A lot of formerly blind people in this world, thanks to the gospel. You betcha. Once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. So we got a couple of formerly blind guys here today <laughs> who are uh, excited about the vision that God has given us for um, a lot of things. Joe and I have had some wonderful um, dreams that we actually share together still, and we're looking forward to seeing what God's going to do in the future. But, uh, Joe, I was, uh, wanting you to come in today to kind of give us an update. It's been a while since we've talked. I'm glad to have you back. Um, I want to hear more about your ministry and I know it's a little bit of a crazy time that, uh, we're in right now with the COVID-19 shutdown of our world, it seems. But, uh, that wasn't always the case and it was only just, um, couple of months ago that you were pretty busy pretty busy but not anymore <laughs> <laughs> well tell me about up to that point which just abruptly changed everything i mean it was unforeseen unimagined and unprecedented what has happened to us we can get into that and talk about it a little bit in in a while uh but i want to hear about uh really over the last year god has done some amazing things uh, that were a little bit different from what you expected. And I'd love for our folks to kind of hear 
maybe a sample of some of that. Joe, would that be okay? You betcha. You know, it's one of the joys about serving the Lord is you never, really never know what's going to come around the corner. Isn't that the it, truth? It is an adventure. It's a journey of faith. And it's, Amen. it's been a joy. In fact, being in the ministry my entire life has been the greatest joy of my life. Jet, mm. I've, it's, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's not yeah. the easiest life, but right. uh, what a blessing it has been. The call to ministry is not a job. It's a joy. Yeah, there you go. That's good. And if you don't see it that way, uh, you got big problems. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, there's a great story of a missionary that was looking for his assistant and mm-hmm. or his replacement. And when he's got his replacement in, they ask, he was asking him, and he got the greatest, sharpest kid out of Bible college. And he asked him, he said, uh, why do you want to do this? And he said, because I love people. <laughs> and he said, I can't use you. <laughs> he said, why? And he says, because if you do this because you love people, you'll quit, hide, and run. Huh. You do it because you love God. Wow. There you go. Yeah. That's a good word. But God's been good to us. I've spent, uh, I spent the first part of my life chasing the dream, being a professional musician. Started with my first position as a music director in a church when I was 15. Really? So started playing the piano in a church every Sunday when I was 12. They said it would never last. It would never last. <laughs> and, I, that's, and I find myself now, that's all I've ever done. Wow. Chased the dream for a while, went to Bible college, graduated, uh, traveled on the road, uh, all those things. And, Finally, when I was 24, went to work at a church for the first time mm-hmm. and uh, loved being in the ministry and, and really never left it. Worked all those years up until 2016, just a little over four years ago. Yeah. Now, I was serving here in Greenville, Texas, Family Fellowship Church, great church here and out on the highway. It is. Spent 21 years there. No and uh, during that time, God did some amazing works in our life and one thing that uh, you learn in life is just about the time you get it figured out, somebody changes all the rules. Right. And that's what happened to uh, my family. Uh, I had a, we had five children, uh, three boys, and the middle boy was a uh, guitar player, musician, wanted to be a, a full-time pastor, thought that was the coolest thing in the world and didn't hurt my feelings any, by the way. And so loved that. And he went off to Bible college and in his third year of college at Criswell College in Dallas, uh, completely out of the blue in a two week period was diagnosed with non Hodgkin's lymphoma. And that put into motion a 14 month period between 2007 and then into early 2009 when uh, Matt passed away. And that changed our life dramatically, as you might imagine. So from diagnosis until his death was how much time? 14 months. That is lightning quick. It is when you look back. Wow. Was he, uh, at a certain stage already at the time of his diagnosis? That's really a kind of an unknown factor. We watched, he had a strange kind of cancer. Cancer is uh-huh. not just a normal thing. It's, yeah. it affects everybody differently. And he was absolutely apparently fine hmm. and went from my back hurts and a little bit of a cough to where he could not breathe in a period of two weeks. My goodness. And that cycle uh, repeated itself. I don't even know how many times over that 14 month period. That is terrifying. And it must it have is. been so tough. It was terrifying. For him and for you. It was tough on me. Uh, it was a lot tougher on Mama. I can only imagine. Really, really difficult for her. Yeah, it must have been brutal. It was. And I'd like to sit here and tell you that uh, because I've lived my whole life in the ministry that yeah. I really wasn't a big deal. But that would be a lie. Like you knew how to handle it because yep. you're a professional. Yep. It doesn't work that way, does it? It doesn't work that way. Uh, people don't understand that we're just people. Have the same struggles, same heartaches, same concerns, same faith issues. It's just that people look at us differently as ministers, but unfortunately, we're still human beings. Yeah. 
So that's kind of the way things went for us. It was really uh, an interesting thing. Matt passed away in March of 2009. I'm so sorry. Well, thank you. I spent the next couple of years, I actually wrote a book called Tears in a Bottle, Lessons from a Broken Heart, and it's not lessons that I teach anybody, Chet. Mm-hmm. It's 21 lessons that God taught me, a career pastor, through the loss of our child. Wow. And so that was, God used all of that to bring back a, a, a the memories and, and take us through and help us to heal and on uh, the first Sunday in March in 2016, after 21 years at Family Fellowship, uh, I resigned. We left our church, sold our home, nearly everything we had, bought an RV and a truck, and just decided that we would go out on the road for a couple of years and see what God would do with Matt's story. Wow. See, Matt was an incredible young man, never complained, never questioned God, never one time. I never saw him cry. His mom did one time. Mm. But I never did and watched him stay faithful all through his illness. Mm. When he was home, he would stand on the platform right beside me and lead worship. Yeah. It's where he was from the time he was 14. And so every time he was home from through, through Bible college and all, he would lead worship. And then when he went off to the hospital, every time he would come home, he would lead worship. Wow. Well, and that was through all the things. Bless his sweetheart. Oh, Just it was amazing. Keep on keeping on. Just amazing, amazing story. Him. And you watched our church as yeah. they watched him. Yeah. And uh, he went through all the ravages the body does to your cancer, or cancer does to your body, rather. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Never got thin. He actually swelled up because of the type of cancer, turned red because of the steroids he was on, mm-hmm. couldn't breathe. But yet every Sunday when he was physically able, he'd stand up on the platform beside me and lead worship. Man, come on. Oh, yeah. Didn't even blink. No, there was no question about it. It, it culminated mm. one time in the fall when it was getting real close to the end of, of Matt's life. Yeah. We did a countdown like I'm, I know your church does. Right. And, right. you know, when it hits two minutes, the band stages. When yeah. it hits one minute, the vocal stage. And then we start at zero. And two minutes came and Matt played and sang and he didn't make, on, make it up on the stage. Mm. One minute, no Matt. Well, I looked out across our congregation, you could see visibly the people were moved. They were concerned. Yeah. And as a dad, I was terrified. Mm. Hit zero and the music, you know, it was kind of one of those crescendo pieces and the, ah, we're getting ready to start. And then it ended in dead silence because Matt was not out there. And everybody at the same time, we all knew. I left the platform with no seconds on the clock and all of the silence to just gasps in the room. Mm. Walked around and I found him sitting on the stairway up to the where we staged at. And he had his guitar between his legs, his head on the place where the tuning pins are, mm-hmm. and he was praying. Mm-hmm. And I was so concerned, but relieved at that moment just to find him alive because I didn't know how I would find him. Wow. And I remember looking at him, and I put my arm on his shoulder, and I, he kind of started a little bit, and I realized that he didn't know what time it was. He had missed the countdown because he was in prayer. He was doing business with somebody a lot bigger than me. Man. And I remember looking at him and saying, son, you do not have to go on today. Mm-hmm. And he looked up at me and he said four words. It's one of the chapters in my book. Oh, yes, I do. Mm-mm. And I realized he wasn't talking to me, Pastor. He was talking to God. Walked out oh. on the platform and the first song that I had scheduled for that morning, Blessed Be Your Name. Mm. When the sun's shining down on me and the world's all as it should be. Yep. And then the second verse, Blessed Be Your Name on the road marked with suffering. When there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. And I'm telling you, it just, it went through our church like electricity, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. 
Man. Next song, No, No, You Never Let Go, Through the Calm and Through the Storm. The next song, Savior, He Can Move the Mountains. My God is mighty to save. We got to the end of that song, and it was the strangest response to a song I've ever heard. There was every possible imaginable age group was on their feet. There was shouting, whistling, cat calls, shouting, praise God, hallelujahs, thunderous applause, and weeping all at the same time. And that's what Matt then went finished with his signature song, which was Chris Tomlin's How Great Is Our God. Walked off the platform a couple weeks later, went to the hospital, and never came back. So how can I not worship God when my son left such an example? Yeah. And to be honest with you, it wasn't easy. I didn't want to. I got a little bit angry with God. Yeah. But I was never allowed to really go that route because my son, through the way he lived his life, would not let me. So that's why we could make such a interesting decision to just take a step out on faith. I had three places to go. All three pastors were friends of mine (laughs) that I could call up and say, doing something crazy here. Would you help me? I'm coming. I'm coming. When when do you want me? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) What are you going to do? Don't know. (laughs) But I'm coming. Yeah. And that's how it all started back in uh, March of 2016. Well, praise God. I'll tell you what let's do, Uh, Joe. If we could have you back again for another session, um, I'd like for you to uh, just share with our listeners uh when we uh when we do the the next chapter of this um some things that you've seen as you've gone across the country um that kind of reveal how god is god wherever he is people are people wherever they are we may have different locations and different topography and different stripes and different names but uh, there's a lot of commonality in this world, and I know you've observed that. I want to, I want to hear you share that with our people uh, next time. Joe Knight of Night Song Ministries talking about uh, his hero, his son Matt, and uh, how moved and touched we all are. And I just pray today that you have indeed been touched by Matt's story, which, by the way, is a form of being touched by the mighty hand yes. of God. Uh, Thank you for listening today, and thank you for being a part of His Mighty Hand Ministries through this broadcast, through our podcast. We just pray for you, our listeners. We love you, and we pray for God to bless you as well. Well, friends, I'm not sure if you've noticed it or not, but that's the first part of my story. My name is Joe Knight, and I am the announcer and producer of His Mighty Hand. And my story can be found at nightsongministries.com, K-N-I-G-H-T-S-O-N-G ministries.com. And now you understand why I'm involved in this ministry, don't you? Because my life, too, has been touched by the mighty hand of God. Now here's today's message by longtime pastor and founder of His Mighty Hand, Pastor Chet Haney. This strong, confident, bold, conquering prophet of God went into a panic of discouragement and depression. And he began to flee. He ran so far down, he went all the way down into the Negev region of Beersheba. When I went to Israel the first time, we stayed in Beersheba, and I can tell you, You've never seen a wilderness like this. 
barren, rocky, dry. And then you go down from Beersheba on down into the Negev where Elijah went down to Mount Horeb. There's not even any, not even a stick of grass. Hot, barren. Uh, we tried to work on a archaeological dig site in that region and it got up to 123 by one o'clock every day. So we just had to shut it down. We'd start at four o'clock in the morning so we could try to get a full day in by one o'clock. We'd come back to Beersheba and just try to survive the heat. It's just unbelievable. So Elijah found himself in a, uh, in a big discouragement, in a big depression. And I say that not because I'm trying to get you depressed. I'm saying that because some of you are already struggling with discouragement and you feel guilty about the very fact that you're going through this hard time. When the truth is, some of the great heroes of the Bible and also of Christian history are some of the men and women who have suffered with discouragement the most. So, <laughs> don't flatter yourself. You're not special if you're going through a hard time. It happens to a lot of us. And it can be very painful. So what I'd like for us to do this morning is to look at, if we may, first of all, the cause of discouragement. Would you look with me at Ephesians chapter 3 for a moment? Ephesians 3.13. The Bible simply says this, um, helping us to understand what discouragement is. Therefore, I ask that you... Do not lose heart. At my tribulations for you, which is your glory. And see, these were believers who were discouraged over Paul's sufferings. And that happens sometimes, doesn't it? We get discouraged over what we're going through. And sometimes we get discouraged because of what someone we love is going through. Paul said, please don't do that. Do not lose heart at my tribulations. Now from this, I want to make a humble, modest attempt, if I may, to define the essence of discouragement. And I'm going to call it for our purposes this morning, the weight of a burden. Discouragement is merely the weight of a burden. And the first thing we have to do in order to deal with it is to recognize it. Uh, sometimes discouragement can be an emotional burden. Now, you weightlifters who are here this morning, you're strong and can lift weights. I see you over at the gym sometimes. A lot of our Highland Terrace peeps are over there pumping iron. I'm proud of you for that. But let me ask you this. Can you lift an emotional burden? Sometimes those are a lot heavier than a dumbbell or a barbell. Sometimes emotional burdens are very entrenched and almost immovable. In the book of Lamentations, 
verse uh, 16, chapter 1, the Bible says, For these things I weep. My eye overflows with water because the comforter who should restore my life is far from me. My children are desolate because the enemy prevailed. Wow. Now that's a very vivid description in the scripture of emotional heaviness. Look at it again. For these things I weep. My eye overflows with water. I just can't stop the tears. The comforter who should restore my life is far from me. Explain that if you can. How we can, at the very time we need to feel the closeness and the support and the encouragement and the help of the Lord, may be the very time when God seems distant. That's painful. My children are desolate because the enemy has prevailed. I want to tell you, and I have told you, and I'll just say it again today. I consider myself a pretty tough guy as long as nothing's wrong with my kids. But when my kids suffer, I suffer. And it hurts to the core to see our children desolate. Especially when our children become discouraged and our children become heavily emotionally burdened. And we, we feel helpless to try to help them. Um, <clears throat> it could be out of control circumstances that cause you to feel burdened. Uh, life is just sort of unraveling and you don't really know what to do about it. That's what Job felt. As he expressed in Job chapter 10, verse 1, when he said, My soul loathes my life. I will give free course to my complaint. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will tell you, Job never tried to mask his emotions with the false pretense of shallow cheeriness. I know that we are commanded by the scriptures to count it all joy and to rejoice. And again, I say rejoice, the Bible says. But Job knew his own bitterness and he embraced it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, we find that the burden that causes discouragement could be physical. It could be physical health or the lack thereof. <clears throat> Verse 4 says, Though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Now here's a key truth that I just want to emphasize from this particular verse. The burden that we feel often comes in the form of a heaviness emotionally. It could be a physical illness. It could be circumstances that have spiraled out of control. 
It could be a, a variety of these things. And the relief that we long for may not be found in the uh, removal of this burden. But rather, in the power of God. Notice the Bible says he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. Now Jesus asked, did he not, that God would take this cup away. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He endured the entire cup of the cross, drinking it down to the dregs. But it was the power of God that sustained him. It was the power of God, not the removal of the pain that sustained him. And uh, the Bible promises here that we also shall live with him by the power of God toward you. I was reading about preachers uh, this week, and uh, one one excellent book that I read about preaching. I've just actually started it by a fellow named uh, Charles W. Kohler. He said that, for instance, the walls of Jericho. They did not fall because of the shouts of the people. The people shouted and the walls fell, but it wasn't the shout that brought them down. It was the hand of God. That's an important thing for a preacher to remember. Because the power of God and the experience of preaching doesn't come from the volume of your words or from the eloquence of your speech. It comes from the power of God. You know, I think of Peter on the day of Pentecost when he stood up and preached basically a narrative sermon and 3,000 people came to the Lord. It wasn't because Peter made the right choice. I don't think Peter spent much time thinking, well, shall I do an expository sermon today, exegetical, textual, narrative? I think I'll do the narrative. That's not what moved the city of Jerusalem. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that moved through Peter, the same one who had denied Jesus not that many days before, was now used by God in a powerful way. And I just want to encourage you concerning discouragement with this reminder that the power of your deliverance will very likely not come from the diligence of your ability. But rather, it's going to come by the power of God. That's that's what we hope for. And that's what we cling to. So we recognize it. I think also we need to respect it by uh, looking not only at the cause of discouragement, but also the cost. In Jeremiah chapter 48, verse 33, the Bible says, Joy and gladness are taken from the plentiful field and from the land of Moab. I have caused wine to fail from the wine presses. No one will tread with joyous shouting. Not joyous shouting. In the harvest season... 
as the grapes were brought in and put in the wine press and trampled so that that new wine could fill the wineskins. There was a great joy in the hearts of the growers and all the people that God had sent the rain and God had blessed the harvest and now there was going to be new wine, grape juice for the people to enjoy. I don't know if you like grape juice. I think it's awesome. Open up that Welch's grape juice, drink me a cup of it. It always reminds me that pungent taste of Welch's grape juice. It always reminds me of the Lord's Supper. It always reminds me of what we are taught to remember at the Lord's table. And there's a rejoicing there, but the Bible says here that in this particular season that that joy failed. The wine failed. And there was no joy at the wine press. This is the cost of discouragement. Discouragement has this effect. It generally wrecks the welfare of the believer. Well, no wonder Satan likes it so much. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life and your soul and your body. Thank you for listening to His Mighty Hand today. You can learn more about this ministry and about your host at HisMightyHand.com. That's all lowercase with no spaces. HisMightyHand.com. And thank you for sharing these moments with us. Perhaps your life, too, will be touched by it.